recorded live. For those who are putting the question on control by some holy desire, set their mind going to pursue those things which gratify the flesh. If you think about a chocolate cake long enough, you know they're going to get one. Where the mind goes, the man follows. You think about what somebody did to you that hurt you, and when you see this, it's highly unlikely you're going to be able to treat them in love. Be careful what you think about. I said, be careful what you think about. Be careful when you wake up in the morning what you think about. Be careful what you think about in the shower. Be careful what you think about while you're driving to work. This is your private life. This is the part of you that only you and God knows about. And this is where you've got to live a holy life. This is where you've got to do what's right. When nobody's looking but God. Do you hear me? I don't care how much you underline your Bible, you can turn it into a coloring book. If you don't keep your mind right, it's not going to work for you. When you feel like your mind is going crazy, turn to Jesus. Let's put that scripture back up again. For those who are according to the flesh, not controlled by some holy desires, set their minds on to pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit and are controlled by the desires of the Spirit, set their minds on to seek those things which gratify the Spirit. We don't think about God what? That's why I said right now how important it is to think about the things that God has done for you. Not just everything you don't have, but everything you do have. God is so good to us. Say what he is doing, not what he's not doing. Let's continue on with this scripture, please. Now, the mind of the flesh, and I love this, is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. You know how many things we lose on ourselves right out of the will of God? God's going to answer us to give any sense and reason, but he wants us to live in the Holy Spirit, not, not apart from the Holy Spirit. As soon as you start living out of your head and God is not involved, I mean, we are in trouble when we do that. Because I can tell you that a lot of things that God does do not make sense. And can I tell you something? If you're going to go full on with God, you might as well figure that you are going to get judged and criticized by some people. Because that's just what's going to happen. And, you know, if I let God have his way, then I make it shut out of some circles. But, thank the Lord, I'm in the circle I need to be in. God is fine. I'm going to go to circle. <laughs> I would venture to say that a lot of things that God may want you to do may not make any sense to your mind. But if you just go a little deeper, Get out of your head. Get out of your head. Stop living off the top of your head. Stop asking yourself excessively what you think and find out what God thinks. Get the mind of God on things, not your own mind. Stop living off what you feel all the time. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I don't feel, I feel, I feel. Let's look at Romans 8, 12, and 13. I really love this scripture. Romans 8, 12 and 13. 
So then, brethren, we are debtors, but not to the flesh. We are not obligated to our carnal nature to live a life ruled by the standards set up by the dictates of the flesh. Do you understand that? You don't own your flesh anything that is not your job to keep it happy. <laughs> Come on. And the next time you're seeing him trying to rule you, why don't you just say, I don't owe you anything. I don't have to keep you happy. Go right ahead and have your little bit. I'm not feeding you today. You know what happens when you don't feed your emotions? They get weaker and weaker, and pretty soon they can't control you. You know how we feed them? Giving into them, giving into them, giving into them, giving into them. But you see, we don't like this color. So when your flesh doesn't get in the way, it's uncomfortable for a little while, and it's a little fit. Well, you all know how this works. How I many of you got a small child and you watch them throw a fit and it's better don't get the way? Well, the flesh is the same way. You know, you're going to feel sorry for yourself. You might as well just be in the most pitiful position you can be in. In the most pitiful place in the house. And just, if you're going to be pitiful, just be really pitiful. Just think all these hopeless thoughts, nothing that ever happens to me. I just work all week. And it gets out with people. And I'm stuck here with these kids all the time. And he comes home and watches football, and then he goes off and plays golf on the weekend, and I just clean and clean and cook and clean and pay the bills and count the money and cook and clean and cook and clean. I tell you what, I was one person that needed to get out of my tent. You know how the flesh is. How many of you would just be willing today to give up pity parties? Can I get you to go on a pity class for the next year? Come on, will you class pity for the next year? Anybody in for it? Now, you don't want to say yes too quick, because as soon as you do, you're going to get attacked with it. I had to give up pity, because God said you can be pitiful or powerful, but you're not going to be able to take your pity. Amen. We're about to get there, I think. See, we had all these wonderful principles this weekend, and I'm just trying really hard to show you how to go home and put these to work in your practical, everyday life. Because this is where we've got to be godly. In our everyday life, in the grocery store, in the marketplace, out in traffic, at work, at school, in the neighborhood. Everybody behaves in church. Okay, so that's it. You're going to now listen, get real. Life can be challenging. It can be difficult. Things happen we're not expecting. It can be challenging to be godly in such an ungodly world. Sometimes it's lonely to be the only person who's really trying to believe in God. 
It can be challenging to be patient, loving, kind, humble, gentle, meek, and merciful, especially when it's with people who don't drink you like. It can be challenging to not be overweight in the society obsessed with food. <laughs> it can be challenging to avoid being in debt in a society that's obsessed with things. It can be challenging to put up with obnoxious people and to keep forgiving them over and over and over and over. And here comes the good news. We are anointed for hard. Oh, 
in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, reminds us that with God, we have hope as an anchor of the soul. It keeps us firm and secure. No matter how discouraging your circumstances might be, you can depend on God and his perfect timing in your life. He is your helper, and he will bring deliverance to you. Today we're offering you some great teaching that I want you to take a look at and be sure that you place your order right away because the only thing that keeps us strong is God's Word. Choice calls it the happy book, and with good reason. Get your hopes up. You're not expecting something good to happen to you every day. Also included with your Get Your Hopes Up book is Joyce's newest CD series, Hope. This series provides practical advice on ways to build an indestructible faith in God and how to be free of discouragement. The book, Get Your Hopes Up, along with the bonus CD series, Living with Hope, is available for a donation of $25. Call our toll-free number, 1-800-727-9673. Or visit us at JoyceMeyer.org. Wherever you go all over the world, we can't help but just fall in love with the children. Like four-year-old Iwanaki here is here in the eastern state of South Africa. My mom has also been really pulled for the mothers and the grandmothers. They are working hard to provide for their children, and they need our help. So these platforms of hope that we provide are helping the entire family, and we can't do it without you. So make your special gifts today will make a huge difference, not only here, but other areas, such as Asia, the inner cities in the United States, that we need you to help us. Pick up the phone, go to the website, JoyceMeyer.org, and let us know that you are standing with us. For your donation today of any amount, we'd like to say thank you with the books of Psalms and Proverbs from the New Battlefield of the Mind Study Bible. Contact us right now, 1-800-727-9673, or go to JoyceMeyer.org. In my past, I was so controlled by my circumstances that every day felt like an emotional rollercoaster. But God's Word changed me, and I've learned that I don't have to settle for a bad day. You can choose to improve your day, so why not do it? In 20 ways make every day better, you'll learn several effective ways to experience a whole new level of joy, contentment, and excitement about each day of your life. 20 ways to make every day better. Pick up your copy today. The first television program that we filmed, it was so primitive that you think, how in the world would anybody even watch this show? It looked like we had a shower. Well, it was a shower curtain. But we made our curtain behind Joyce. And we were in this room when it had sprayed insulation and it was falling off the ceiling. The sprayed insulation was hanging down and falling off the ceiling. One camera. One camera. And we shot this. And uh, we, we decided to go on weekly at first. That's the only thing we could afford, so we decided to go on weekly. We did that for about six months, and we thought, it's going good. It's doing all right. And Josh said, well, why don't we go on, why don't we go on daily on some of these stations? So we, we said, okay, we're going to go on daily on some of these stations. So we did. And when we did that, it had just exploded. And within a month or two months, every station that we went on paid for itself and was, was surplus. So we go on more stations. And we were just buying up time like crazy and going on stations and the, the mail and the, the uh, response was overwhelming. And so this this was the beginning of the television ministry and it was, it was just beyond anything we could ever expect. Thank you, friends and others. Together, sharing the love of Christ around the world. To find out more, please contact us. Or 
where he fulfilled his vow to God that he had made the first time. When he was in Bethel, the first time Jacob was negotiating with God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. If you'll do the other, then I will. God kept all of his promises. And so the second time Jacob went to Bethel, he didn't make deals. He built an altar. And I think you can assume that your life is progressing spiritually when you stop making deals with God and start building altars, because an altar represents a sacrifice, the place where you lay your life down and say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I don't know how to drive my life. God, you take the will. Jesus. Anyway, so there's a, there's a sense in which when Jacob returns to Bethel the second time and makes a sacrifice to God, which he had promised to make, we're expecting that the next thing God will do is bless him. Because healthy relationships are reciprocal. A healthy relationship is, you don't just always do it for me and I never do it for you. A healthy relationship is reciprocal. And you do um, for me and I'll do for you. I'm not doing for you, so you will do for me. But I do expect, and this is um, probably something I need to grow out of, but if I do something nice for you, I expect you if you're in a position to repay the favor. It's just healthy relationships, reciprocal. You can't just so, so, so. Uh, into somebody's life and, and their healthy relationships are reciprocal. And uh, so, so anyway, they, they, they move on from Bethel. Jacob has just made a sacrifice to God and he's kept his end of the bargain. And what we're probably expecting next is for God to bless Jacob. Uh, bless him again because Jacob made a sacrifice to God because, you know, when you do something for God, you can't expect him to look out for you when the time comes. And God does bless Jacob. It says, then they moved on from Bethel. And while they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth, which is a huge blessing because we met Rachel and became acquainted with her last week. And we know that she was very lovely on the outside, but she was buried on the inside. She couldn't have children. And it was a source of great contention between her and her sister, Leah. And they all remember Leah. And Leah, uh, remember, she was... She was kind-hearted person, but it doesn't talk about her figure in the way that it talks about Rachel's figure, so we're left with assumptions. I was thinking, you know, if, if I ever meet Leah in heaven, I'm going to have a lot of apologizing. If I make it to heaven and if Leah's there, you didn't have to listen to last week's sermon, but, but uh, Rachel, the one that Jacob loves the most, is unable to give Jacob what he wants the most, which is a son, except that um, after many, many uh, failed attempts to conceive, she finally gives birth to a son, and his name is Joseph, and he becomes very important in the narrative of Scripture, very important to not only Israel, but he becomes very important to the whole of the Bible, Joseph. When she was having Joseph, she prayed as she was having Joseph that God would add to her another son. She wanted one more. See, her sister had six babies. She only had one. And so she prayed that God would add another son to her. And so Jacob goes to Bethel, makes the sacrifice, and it appears as if God is rewarding him for the sacrifice by giving the love of his life, Rachel, the one that he worked 14 years to marry another child. And the Bible says that at some point along the journey, as they were headed home, she begins to give birth. In the process of her prayer being answered, this prayer, this longing that she carried with her a long time, in the process of giving birth, she begins to have great difficulty. Now, I'm going to tell you something um, about life and about, uh, about your life and about my life. Um, and sometimes God will answer our prayers, but it will cost us a price. 
we never imagined when he dies. Because she asked God, give me another son. She did not know what we now know, that a son would cost her her own life. And so it's one thing to ask God to add something to your life, but you never know what you'll lose in the process of what God will add. And so it's wonderful to ask God to use you, but just make sure when you say, God, use me, you're aware that sometimes God will answer your prayer and use you, but it's going to require you being poured out in ways and broken in ways that you might not have seen coming or imagined in your heart when you were asking God to use you. When you, when you ask God to bless you, it's good to ask God to bless you, but just understand that with the blessing will come certain burdens that you might not account for because for, for, for a while I'm sure that everybody in Jacob's caravan was celebrating how God had given Rachel another child. Look how good God is. Jacob built an altar, made a sacrifice, and Rachel's having a baby. She's finally getting what she prayed for. But somewhere in the process of giving birth, things took a turn for the worse, and Rachel started to lose blood. And since there, and since there was no and since there was no medical technology, many women died in childbirth during this day. And so when the difficulty arose and Rachel was a little bit older, there's a high likelihood she is not going to make it. And she doesn't make it, and she dies as her son is being born. Let me make another point about life, another observation. In our lives, something is always dying while something else is coming alive. In your life, something will always be dying while something else is being born. We have colloquialisms that we say in little, little phrases that we say that we don't have to think about whether they're true or not. And one of those things that we probably all said in the room is just an expression. There's nothing wrong with saying this. It's as long as you know it's not true. It's never true about anybody. One thing you say is, it's all good. And we just tell you right now, no, it's not. It's not all good. And for, for anybody, ever, it is never all good for anybody. Ever. There's no point in time where everything is going to be all good in your life. So if you're waiting for that point when everything is good and all these blessings are being born and all everything is going up and to the right in your life and everybody's getting along with you and everybody likes you and everything is improving. I mean, it's never all good. Sometimes it's going to be like it's all good at, at work and it's kind of funky at home. Sometimes it's going to be really, really good at home, but they, they, they're, they're edging you out at work. It's never all good. Put somebody next to you and say, I'm sorry to upset you, but it's not all good. It's not all good. It's never all good. It's never all good. And it's not all good for Jacob. Something is being born, but something else is dying. Something is coming to life, but something else is dying. And I came to speak to somebody today who, who has some triumph in your life, but you've also got some trouble. You, you've got some joy in your life, but you've also got some sadness. Along life's way, along this journey that we're on, God does not promise that it will all be good. Now, he did say in Romans 8.28 that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But based on the construct of that sentence, I take it to mean that if he has to work all 
all things together for the good, that assumes that everything is not good before he gets a hold of it. That means there must be some stuff that's good, some stuff that's not, and what he does is he takes what's living and what's dying and he makes it all work together for the good to bring forth his purpose in your life. Say amen to that. If you've lived a little while, if you've ever lost anything, if you've ever been hurting but had to smile, if you've ever had something to celebrate about, and if you wait until it's all good in your life to give God praise and to be happy and to celebrate victories and to have peace in your heart and to enjoy what God has given you, you never will. Because it's never all good. Always in our lives, there's something being born, there's something dying. I have to accept as the pastor of a church, there are always going to be new people coming in and some people leaving. God bless them both, because God knows the ecosystem of his intention for my life, and he knows how to make certain things leave and certain things come, but he'll never leave me alone. That's one thing I can tell on. So whether something's dying or whether something's being born, God is superintending my life, and he sees every loss, and he sees every gain, and he he measures all my pain, and he catches every tear, and he knows what to give it give to me, and he knows when to give it to me, and he knows what he's assigned me, and he knows when to fulfill the order that he's placed on my life. That's verse 1. Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, if you've got a female sitting next to her, touch her and say, call her midwife. So, I hate that show so much. I've never watched that episode. It's kind of long. Um, the, the midwife said to her, don't despair for you have another son. God answered your prayer, Rachel. Don't despair for you have another son. And sometimes we need midwives and people in our lives to help us see that even though we're experiencing pain, God is fulfilling his promise. And sometimes we need people in our lives to say, I know you can't see it right now because this is so painful for you and this is costing you so much. But God is giving you what you prayed for. And so she reminds Rachel of that prayer and that promise of the spirit for you have another son. And as she breathed her last. Something in your life is always breathing its last breath as something else is breathing its first. As her son cries for the first time, she cries her final tear in this life. And she breathed her last, and in her last words, with her last gasp, with the last breath in her body, as she was dying, she named her son Benoni. Who was father named Benjamin. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Benoni. Benoni. I don't have a phobia. It's rather strange one. So, go with me. I'm scared to ask people these days who are pregnant or expecting a child what they're planning on naming their child. Because these days, people are naming their children put this in the right words. They're naming their children creative things. Very interesting names. Really interesting names. And it's their right to name their child whatever they want. And so the reason I don't want to ask is because I'm not very good at faking 
And so if I say, what are you naming him? And they say something that I think is stupid, that's going to get the kid beat up, um, that's going to cause the kid to have low self-esteem, I'm, I'm likely to say something like, oh. And see, that's not the response that they're probably looking for. And, and, and so I quit asking people that question because it's just too much liability, honestly. With all the names that people name their children, it's just not a very, it's not a very pastoral thing to go, huh, I'll see what they're naming their child. And so I don't want you to tell me your child's name and then I feel like slapping you. And so I just don't ask anymore what you're naming your kid. I'll just find out in private and so I can have my own reactions. And so, um, but, but it's still like, in fact, um, I, my name, Interesting. My name, my first name is not Stephen. My first name is Larry. My name is Larry Stevens Furtick. Stevens Furtick Jr. I believe that Stevens is because my father had his middle name misspelled on his birth certificate. And so rather than correct his birth certificate, he transferred the mistake on his birth certificate to my birth certificate. So my official name on the passport is Larry Stevens Furtick Jr. Praise God. But it could have been worse. It could have been worse. Let somebody say it could have been worse. It could have been worse. Because what my dad originally wanted to name me is uh, what he had been thanked God for my mom who was in this worship experience, and I'm indebted to her in so many ways that my soul cannot number, but this one is chief among them, because what my father wanted to name me and would have named me left to himself, my father wanted to name me Clem. Let me tell you why. He wanted to name me Clem because my mother went to Clemson University. My father thought it would be now to, when he called my name, say, Clem, son, come here, Clem, son. It would have been a whole different story of my life. Let's go to Pastor Clem's church. I mean, really, would you? Who's your pastor? Pastor, uh, but I want to thank my mom. My mom got involved, and uh, I appreciate that. I mean, there's, there's worse names. There's worse names. In fact, does anybody have like a pad of uh, um, notepad? Can you see notepad, please? Thank you. I need to write back. Just write on this real quick. And then I have a marker. Not an elevation in the official group, an elevation church, but like a marker. Some sort of shopping. Can we all agree that all of us, that 
to the place where he'd been lying for three days. Nobody but Jesus has that kind of strength. Nobody but Jesus has that kind of strength to hang there on a cross, and you couldn't call for legions of angels to protect you and get you down, but instead you utter with your last breath, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Nobody but Jesus has that kind of strength. Jesus, who is coming again to judge the living and the dead. Jesus, who is coming again on a white horse with a white robe. Jesus, who is coming again to establish a kingdom that can never be shaken. Nobody has power like Jesus. Nobody is strong like Jesus. Nobody. But when Isaiah describes him, he says that he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. See, it was the sorrow of his crucifixion that produced the power and strength of his resurrection. With strength always comes from sorrow. I'm going to tell you, if you ever see somebody who's really strong, I guarantee you they've been through a lot of stuff, a lot of sadness. I guarantee you, if you ever see somebody who's really strong in this life, I don't care what they do, I don't care what their profession is, I don't care how easy they make it look, I don't care how seamless they treated the transitions, if you ever see somebody with great strength, bet on it, somewhere, somehow, from somebody, something caused them great sorrow. Moses said, it's doubtful whether God can greatly use a man until he has greatly hurt a man. Sorrow produces strength. And I hope that helps you because some of you are facing a situation today that is full of great sorrow. I wanted to let you know, however, that if you want to rename your sorrow, you can. And your sorrow today can become your strength for tomorrow. You know, if we were able to sit down with you, we would maybe ask you, so what's your story? We want to know a little bit about your past, maybe a little bit about where you are today, the good and the bad. But the thing is, you never really tell anybody your full story, do you? Usually you edit together certain scenes. And you know what? I think that's actually a gift. I think God has given us the ability not to control our story, but to see our story through the lens of faith. Today I want to offer you a special resource. It's called There's More to Your Story. Because I want to help you get beyond the scene that you're in right now. I remember that lyric from you two, you're stuck in a moment. Let me check it out today. But today, we believe that God can move you forward. There's more to your story than this one scene. But sometimes to see it, you have to look at it from a different perspective. This series includes five messages that will give you practical ways to change your perspective. Sermons like making headlines and meaning rights, what about Jacob, will teach you how to speak a better word over your day. Because you don't have to let the enemy label you or your life by your current circumstances or past failures. You get to call it what you want. All right, so a lot of people will come up to me and say, I want to write a book one day. Guess what? You're writing one. It's called your life. It's the most important thing you'll ever author. So you shouldn't do it 
unless you're going to be intentional about it. I want to help you with that process today. Through the power of God's Word, let's write the next chapter of your story according to your purpose. If you really lean into these teachings, I truly believe they can change the way you view your life from this day forward. Let's start right now. Go online or give us a call to get your copy of There's More to Your Story with your gift of any amount to this ministry. You won't regret it. Hear more details about today's offer. When you know that your life is heaven somewhere, when you know that it's going to end somewhere with you fulfilling purpose, no wonder the pain can cause you to stop your progress. Growing up, I experienced a lot of pain. I didn't have any expectations for my life. I didn't want to have expectations about who I was going to be. I allowed the enemy to define my life by the scenes of my past. Why would you let your enemy have your life? Why would you ever be? You'll never be a good mom. You're going to turn out just like your father. Just watch. You'll fail. The devil is a liar. At least we tell him that. We can look back in his nest and tell him I refuse to see it that way. That's the wrong way. That can't be true. That is not God. The enemy doesn't get to decide how my story goes. He doesn't get to put a label on my life. Make pathetic failure addicts die. There's more to my story. And there's more to your story, too. There's more to your story isn't just a collection of sermons. It's a tool that will teach you to shift your perspective and see that there is more. What I thought was weakness, I now see a strength. Where I once felt shame, today I see God's grace. What I thought was failure, I now recognize as an opportunity to grow. The enemy doesn't get to write the headline of my life. I do. I'm going to move headline over this chapter, and I'm calling this chapter victory. I'm calling this chapter growth. I'm calling this chapter a new beginning. I choose to believe there's more. I choose to learn from my past and build a better future. And you can too. Call it online now to request these resources today. Thank <laughs> you. 
Porașeche și Răpostă și Răpostă și Andraș și Răpostă ta, Pomboschele Răpostă și Răpostă și Andraș și Răpostă ta, Pomboschele Răpostă și Andraș și Răpostă ta, Harabochele Răpostă și Răpostă ta, Pomboschele Răpostă și Răpostă ta, Andraș și Răpostă și Răpostă și Răpostă și Răpostă și Răpostă ta, Randele 
My bad. Okay, well, I, how about you just go ahead and open up and pray then, young man? How about that? I won't say okay. that now. All right. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you, Lord God, for this day. We thank you for the newness of this day. We thank you for, the Lord, the many blessings that you have given each and every one of us, Lord God. We thank you, oh, Heavenly Father, for the brand new mercies, Lord God, that you have given us, Lord God. Mercies not that we are deserving of, but, Lord God, because of your love for us, you have given us grace and mercy to make it through trying times such as these. Father God, we ask that your Holy Spirit will cover us and keep us from protect us throughout this day. We ask you, Lord God, that you would dispatch your angels to build a hedge around us, Lord God, that you would cause the, even the, your spirit to dwell within our hearts and our minds and our souls, Lord God, so we can worship and praise you. Father God, we thank you, O oh God, for waking us up this morning, starting us on our way. We thank you, Lord God, that you allowed us to come together to assemble ourselves as prayer-shifting ministry members, Lord God, to seek your face, Lord God. Your face will we seek, Lord God. Father God, we ask, Lord God, that you are not everyone that will come on this call. Let them come with expectancy, with a jubilant heart of praise, Lord God, to give glory to your name, for you the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord God, we ask, Lord God, that you would just even cover us, Lord God, as we travel from our homes, whether it's to pay bills or go on our jobs, Lord God. Cover, keep us, and protect us from the hands of the enemies, Lord God. Father God, if there are any weapons that have been formed against us, Lord God, we ask you to cut them down right at the root, Lord God, that they would not even prosper, Lord God. They won't even start to develop, Lord God, because you are the our, our shield and our buckler. Father God, we ask you that you will cover Sam this morning, Lord God, even as he conduct this call, as he bring forth the message, Lord God, let it fall into a, onto the ears, Lord God, that is receptive of what is being taught, Lord God. Let us be obedient to your word. Let us seek your word in your face, Lord God. Father God, we just know that there's a blessing on the uh, 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 on the other side of through. Even as we're going through our trials and tribulations, we know that you are that are our umbrella, Lord God. You protect us from the elements, Lord God, so that those things that fall around us, Lord God, would not permeate or penetrate our souls, Lord God. Father God, we just want your word to just dwell within our hearts. We ask that your word take root, Lord God, that we can pull for it and draw for it, Lord God, even as we go throughout our days. When time of these, Lord God, give us the grace and the mercy to make it through, Lord God. Father God, even after I go on my job, Lord, I ask you, Lord God, that you will cover and keep me, Lord God, that you will protect me, Lord God. Father God, I ask, Lord God, that you would just let this be a pleasant day, Lord God. We just thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. We even lift up those who are unsaved, Lord God, that they will seek your face, Lord God. They will turn from their wicked ways and they will study your word, Lord God, so that their lives will be made new, Lord God. For each and every day, Lord God, it's a new day, Lord God. So we don't have recycled blessing. We don't have recycled grace. We don't have recycled mercies. But every blessing and mercy and grace that we give it to us, Lord God, it is fresh. It is new, Lord God. The things that we have been guilty of, Lord God, as we repent it, Lord God, and we repent, Lord God, you have given us another chance, Lord God. Let us do your will. We have been called, Lord God, to the forefront to be men and women of, of yours, Lord God, true worshipers and believers believers of faith, Lord God, knowing that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord God, we ask 
you to protect us. Keep our families, Lord God, from all hurt, harm, and danger. I pray for this land. I pray for this country. I pray for those in authority, Lord God, that their hearts, Lord God, will be softened, Lord God, that you can change the man, the hearts, and the, the thoughts of man, Lord God. Only you can do it. So, Father God, let your spirit get in them and let them know that, Lord God, that they are their brother's keepers, Lord God. And, Lord God, that we are to treat them as such because we are all your sheep of your pastor, Lord God. We are being guided and governed by your hand and your word. Keep us in perfect peace. Watch over us throughout this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, young man. Amen, amen, amen. There's somebody else on? Mm-mm. Not that I know. No, that's your echo. All right, anybody else want to pray? If not, I'll start the list. Let me get the list out, list out, list out. Let me get the list out right now. Mm, I need to revive this thing.
doesn't matter, right? It'll go sit you, 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 Okay. 
Tony Brooks, you're going to the guy, you're going to the guy, you're going to the guy, so you're going to say, okay, fuck. Wow. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, Congregations in church, you run the negotiation, 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 negotiation,
abuse and addiction, should have go fish, 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 Seats in the house is going to go switch to go switch to go switch to go switch. But shut it out, rock it out. They can shut it out, it's not so beautiful. Prison is a missionary. Rather go switch to 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 go Deceased and hospice, unsaved. Pressure diminishes and unfounded. Gross go switch, she go switch, she go switch, she go switch, she go switch, Gross go switch, she go switch, she go switch, she go switch, Gross go switch, she go switch, she go switch, Counting and restoration, grumble, go skitter, the gossip, she drusko, go switch, she go switch, she go switch, Um, health and restoration. Uh, renewing of a mind. Blue skater, go see this car, Boscaranda, Kesha, Boscaranda, Sakara. Renewing of our strength. You're going to go see the gun, Roscara, the Ganda, Sakara. Supernatural, superhuman strength. Rumbo, Koranda, the Gasan, this car, the Gosagraka, Sakara. Financial breakthroughs and turnarounds, you're going to go to the physical center Walking in the realm of supernatural, running the Grace, mercy, and favor, running the Growth and our gifts and our fruits, grand negotiation, negotiation, go Sakara. Sakara. Okay, growth and gifts and the fruits and that's great to Grace, mercy, and favor. Peace is passed all understanding. Yet I go around the position of Sishigo Saraga, Sakara. Now is wisdom and understanding. Yet I go around the position of Saraga, Sakara. Discernment, got that one. Supernatural, superhuman strength, got that one. Um, that might be all I can think of. Walking in the realm of supernatural. No, okay. Okay, I can't think of anything else at this time. If not, I'm going to say that's all of the list. Anybody got anything? Anybody got anything going once? Anybody got anything going twice? Anybody got anything going three times? All right, then. Well, I'm going to say that's the list. That's the prayer. I sent out this text message. We did a lesson. We can call it. Works for me.
your name on high, be lifted high. Come on, Jesus, we lift your name on high, your name on high, be
forefather God, yet it will stand us, it will come boost it at a candle. We praise and it will go Sunday, it will go Sakara. Okay, then I lose the page. We instinctively know how to lead if we allow ourselves. While no two leaders are exactly the same, and each will vary their style and method, all individuals leading by instinct explore the distance between where, where they've been and where they're going. Some approach leadership based on their strength or the strength of the team, others on their previous organization's culture or the culture that was established when they got there. They inherit systems and struggles that in no way resemble the vision and mandate that they are most passionate about. They must then decide who stays and who goes. Mm. At my core, I'm a motivator, and I love to invest in people. The question for me was centered around people resources. Can I develop what I have, or should I look outside my organization for what I need? This dilemma has led Father God, help us to hear from you this morning. Let your words penetrate. Move in us today, Father, so we can receive that which you want us to have. It's only because of you, Lord. It's only because of you, Father. We praise thy name in Jesus' name. I pray, man. Okay, I'll start all over again. Hmm. Now, maybe I'll hold on for a second. We instinctively know how to lead if we allow ourselves. So, basically, he's saying within everybody, there is a leadership. But now what I will say that that everybody must be to grow or develop to that capacity. Just because you have it, everything needs to be honed, needs to be matured, pruned, grown. While no two leaders are exactly the same, each will vary their style and method. All individuals leading by instinct explore the distance between where they've been and where they're going. Now, that's a problem if you don't know where you're going. 
That means you have no vision. And that can't happen, especially when you're trying to figure out what the hell's going on where you're at. Some approach leadership based on their strength or the strength of the team, while others on their previous organization's culture or the culture that was established when they got there. They inherit systems and struggles that in no way resemble the vision and mandate that they are most passionate about. They must then decide who stays and who goes. At my core, I am a motivator, and I love to invest in people. The question for me was, at my core, I'm a motivator. I love to invest in people. The question for me was centered around people resources. Can I develop what I have, or should I look outside of my organization for what I need? This dilemma has led to inner turmoil many times as my heart said, let them stay, when my head said, let them go. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. My heart said, let them stay. My head said, let them go. Hmm. You see, I have spent years as a pastor where the goal is retention. Spiritual leaders are often evaluated on their ability to sustain momentum, maintain the budget, and retain the membership. <laughs> All of that works well if you are involved only with members or perhaps in your case, customers or clients. But most businesses, as well as the enterprise of pursuing our God-given destinies, require more than just customer service. There has to be a team approach to unite the various departments required for success, whether those are human resources and internal technology or your personal resources and your laptop. The big question remains, how do I retain what I need and release what I do not? This is interesting. Hmm. I think I'll read that again. You see, I spent years as a pastor where the goal is retention. Spiritual leaders are often evaluated on their ability to sustain momentum, maintain the budget, and retain the membership. All of that works well if you are involved only with members or perhaps, in your case, clients or customers. But most businesses, as well as enterprises pursuing our God-given destinies, requires more than just customer service. There has to be a team approach to unite the various departments required for success, whether those are human resources and internal technology or your personal resources and your laptop. The big question remains, how do I retain what I need and release what I do not? I had to learn as my staff increased that my model of leadership needed a serious overhaul. The same proclivity that made me an effective pastor did not necessarily produce the skill set required for great leadership of my business team and personal staff. But I learned that from the moment a pastor employs people, his propensity to shepherd a flock can come back to bite him. Hmm. In short, your gifting and opportunity can bring you into a new arena that your skill sets may be able to manage but not maximize. That's interesting. Your gifting and opportunity can bring you to a new arena that your skill sets may be able to manage but not maximize. That means your gifting has brought you here, but now you need something different in order to be effective, to maximize. 
So it got you here, but not keeping here, making you. In other words, like a lot of times, you gotta you gotta make changes to go up to the next level. I can show you that. But these new opportunities, your mentality is influenced not by where you're going, but more aptly, but where you've been. But surely you see the danger is in such an approach. A new suit doesn't change the old man. A new hairdo won't transform the woman beneath the bangs. You can't function on the next level if you still have the old style of leadership. Many people move into a new opportunity, but they have the past mentality and soon they find that they are soon they find that they are having experiences that poison the fresh chance of old contaminants. Okay, you can take that right there to a whole lot of arenas. I'm gonna just read it again and you can play with it yourself. Oh, that didn't sound too nice. <laughs> you can't function on the next level if you still have the old style of leadership. Many people move into a new opportunity, but they have the past mentality, and soon they find that they are having experiences that poison the fresh chance with old contaminants. You can't revamp a department if you view yourself carry the mythology where you were and not where you are now. I mean, you can take that for relationships. You can take that for life as a whole. You know, we got to change our understanding, our life. Uh, you know, but a lot of times, if you're still carrying that baggage, you don't even recognize that you're carrying it. You know, this is what I did. This is this is what got me to where I'm at, and that's a beautiful thing. But now, you need to adapt to get to the next level. As my business involvement beyond the pulpit grew, so did my struggles to lead in these new endeavors. Suddenly I was hiring staff, maintaining maintaining a for-profit entity, and developing people around new goals. Unfortunately, while I had the corporate structure of a business for my enterprise, I still had pastoral tendencies. I had to learn to distinguish ministry from management and potlucks from portfolios. The Sunday school classroom is not the boardroom. You can't reform the organization if its leaders communicate old messages and ideas by virtue of language and habits from the past. A new logo is nice. A new brand is wonderful. But the old culture persists. You are destined for self-sabotage. Wow. Okay, I'll get through all this today. I find myself in meetings with high-level CEOs one moment and the strong pastoral leaders the next. While there are many similarities between business and pastoral leaders, there are also many differences. I struggle with the model of my friends who were sacred leaders, functioning largely with a pastoral focus, not only with the flock but also with the team. They more times than not lacked the fortitude to make the decisions that needed to be made for the organizations to thrive. They often chose the retention model, catch all you can. Often they, were not, often they were not leading by instinct, but by tradition. They kept the peace and maintained the status quo, but later became frustrated as the church suffered from the indecisive leadership. It was withering not because of lack of vision, but because there was a serious disconnect between the leader and those who represented them. Often the ministry doesn't flourish because the leader lacks the ability to prune the vine they worked all their lives to grow. Mm. 
instead of growing in productivity, it is really the same old things from days gone by. The soil never rests, new seeds are never planted. The harvest still yields fruit, but it's proportionally less with each passing season. This is not growth. It is simply swelling with the infection of the past world mixed with the new opportunity. Mm. Plucking, pruning, cutting, making changes. Interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. Very, very interesting. But the antithesis of this, based on what I witnessed from my associates in the business world, is the release model. Their idea is to be slow to hire and quick to fire. Sudden turnover, they say, are the nature of the beast. My corporate friends believe that releasing should always be quick and definitive. They choose change at any cost, often overriding the wisdom of their instincts for stability. However, sometimes retention is a good thing. Developing and training those who have been loyal can create a sense of family that is very important to the well-being of the whole organization. If team members do not feel secure and invested, they will not commit their personal gifts toward full productivity for the organization. The recent recession we faced in our nation and all the layoffs that ensued showed us that when people are uncertain of what will happen next, they will draw to wait and see. Mm. Mm. Spending shuts down, anxiety mounts, divorces increase, productivity is compromised as team members develop an every man for himself stand. Mm. Ooh, Jesus. Mm. Many people are traumatized by uncertainty. Mm. Ooh, Lord. Mm. It is a silent killer of relationships at work and at home. Anytime people don't know where they stand, they either leave physically and or detain. <laughs> oh, Lord. Woo. Don't take me out. Of- <laughs> oh, Jesus. Mm. Anytime people don't know where they stand, they either leave physically and or detach emotionally. Either way, when you're paralyzed by fear of the unknown, it doesn't matter which direction you're headed because you're not moving. Wow, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That one there, ooh. Ooh, Lord. Mm-mm-mm. Ow. Okay. I'll just read it again. Mm-hmm. Okay. The recent recession we faced in our nation and all the layoffs that ensued showed us that when people are uncertain what will happen next, they will draw to wait and see. Business shuts down, anxiety mounts, divorce increases, and productivity is compromised. As team members develop an every man for himself stance. Many people are traumatized by uncertainty. It is a silent killer of relationships at work and at home. Anytime people don't know where they stand, 
They either leave physically and or detach emotionally. Either way, when you're paralyzed by the fear of the unknown, it doesn't matter which direction you're headed because you're not moving. Similarity, when you operate based on a formula or a one-size-fits-all model, you miss the power and insight of your instincts can, insta- instincts can bring. Tradition and innovation must work in harmony for maximum success, and our instincts know how to, our instincts know how to maintain this equilibrium. Based on specific data, context, and timing, instinct can become a leader's greatest tool for knowing when to stay the course and when to change the direction. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is very, very interesting. Just looking at some things that's going on. Um, personally, look at some things that's going on within Press Shifting Ministries. This is this is interesting. I mean, just from what I, my business experience, you know, it just is what it is, limited, unlimited, whatever the hell it is. You know, I I can understand you know, um, you must be willing to change. You must be willing to let go. Um, you know, even now more so, I, I I see the team concept, but also, you know, you know, it's about product about productivity. I know, for example, right now personally, if it was not for the team and the family environment, I'd be SOL because, you know, I got guys working for me who are just coming in and helping me out, and as I'm getting money, I'm able to give give it to them, you know. So if it was not for the family, then I'd be SOL, you know. So I definitely understand that, but I'm also understanding, too, that I need to go to the next level so there are certain changes that must be made and I'm working toward that type of thing. So I, I, I see this, you know, in so many different ways and levels and especially when he started talking about, I'm going to read this again because, you know, when he said, when people are uncertain what happened next, they would draw the weight and see, and I just like, damn. That's about the best way I can say that. If that ain't me, I I that's that's the best. <laughs> I saw I said is damn. Cause yeah, that's that's me. I stop in a heartbeat and go okay. All right. And you know, and it has its good and its bad points. And I I will say that. I say the good points will be from the aspect that it'll keep me from just. And even as Joyce Meyer was talking about emotions today, you know, did it keep me from running, just doing things unnecessary, opening my mouth, all that type of thing? That's the good aspect of it. It allows me to process, allows me to see, and and kind of maintain where I'm at without making rash or bad decisions. That's the good aspect of it. The other aspect of it is because, yeah, I, I pull away in a heartbeat. I'll cut myself off and detach emotionally and say, you know, the hell with it and keep moving. And, yeah, that's all I can I just, that's the best, that, that's all I can say about that. That's, that's, mm. All right, then. Mm. 
Okay. I don't know if anybody got any comment because I'm about to start reading again. Honing your instincts for creative change at the right time sharpens the instincts of those around you. In this regard, leading by instinct can become contagious. If the people you retain don't respond to that retention and reward it with earnest effort to remain relevant, then it backfires. Okay, Honing your instinct for creative change at the right time sharpens the instincts of those around you. In this regard, leading by instinct can become contagious. The people you retain don't respond to their retention or reward with an earnest effort to remain relevant, then it backfires. The honors rest is upon us uh, the honors rest upon the team to avail themselves of all available opportunities supplied to stay cutting edge. While the company can identify training, the persons who are a part of the team share some serious responsibility not to become inflexible or irrelevant by virtue of thinking that a good relationship and personality will cover poor performance. Okay. Interesting. While the company can identify the training, the persons who are part of the team share some serious responsibility not to become inflexible or irrelevant by virtue of thinking that a good relationship and personality will cover poor performance. In other words, bottom line, everybody has to be conscientious about what's going on, doing their best. And as I said before, if your best ain't good enough, you got to find a way to make it better. That's just case in point. Everybody doesn't understand that. Corporate America, that's their whole. And see, that's the, I guess the thing is you need a balance of it. You need a balance of corporate America, you know, goodbye. But then also you need to understand how to groom and develop yourself as well as others. So it, it's, it's, it can be an interesting mix. If such complacency develops, the organization will suffer from paralysis and lose its sense of direction. This is also true in the home. Both parties have to maintain vigilance to be progressive and innovative. Just because people stay married doesn't mean that they are happily married. <laughs> okay, then. They're just cutting all up some stuff. In that same sense, just because you've been with a task a long time doesn't mean that you have to remain re- relevant. It is wise to stay abreast of the latest information that will cause you to be able to grow forward and not just go forward. To grow forward and not just go forward. Mm. An ancient book of wisdom tells us iron sharpens iron, as indeed it does. But rust also results in rust. If the team atmosphere becomes strained, the vitality dissipates and gradually toxicity ensues. So, if the stagnancy is not eradicated, then growth is compromised and other good people gradually move on. It's hard to gain speed in the present, let alone map future destinations when certain tires are stuck in reverse. Ooh, CD. Mm. You're just writing some stuff today. Removing the bottleneck that is in the stagnant staff member or leader is also appreciated 
But truly creative people actually feel like they are asphyxiated when they are placed beneath someone whose only contribution to a meeting is that's not how we used to do it. I can't tell you how many homes, churches, and businesses are engaged in a civil war because they don't have a sincere appreciation for the individuals. They are at war between what was and what is. When that what was begins to fight against what is, they both jeopardize the future what can be. The damage will be collateral. The impact will be incomprehensible. The impact will be comprehensive. Wow. Mm. Mm. I just ain't got no say. How much I'm going to try to read today? All right, maybe another page. Yeah, thank you for all of that. When instincts are ignored, now, just because an idea is new doesn't mean that it's progressive. And when new ideas are seriously evaluated and considered before being dismissed, those who present them feel affirmed. But when these ideas have no more chance of consideration than a snowman, <laughs> than a snowman in hell, the instinct for creativity is dwarfed by the toxic cultural work environment. So you may have so you may have succeeded in appeasing the vanguards of the organization, but you do so at the expense of retarding the growth of what you had hoped to build. And you know that it's a commercial, which is out, and I think it was I forget. But anyway, they had this, this this it was called a new idea, and how it was just you know it looked like a big old muppet or something like that. And how where that new idea was at, everybody kind of threw at it and talked about it and disregarded it. But when that new idea went into another environment, then people began to, you know, give it praise and and, and it it flourished. And that's what he's saying now, you know. You know, new ideas are some place. See, this is interesting. I guess depending on where you are and what you're doing and what you're trying to do, he's relating it to the home as well as to the office. But... And I would say in certain situations, maybe like mine or Renee's, where you don't have, you know, more. Well, it, it varies because I have had the experience of of, of, of um, corporate corporate when I was up at Rose, and that was pretty much my experience of corporate. But other than that, I don't really have a lot of corporate experience. But I I can see a lot of what he's talking about here. But then again, he's bringing it to that you know expense of home as well. Because that that in and of itself is also a team effort. So it's, bottom line, these are truths. These are um, these are principles, and they'll work. It's, and it's a, either from where you are now or where you're desiring to go. But these are truths and these are principles, and they will work for you if you apply. So it's very very interesting. Hmm. Okay. So then, if you're in touch with the pulse of the team you're leading, you notice the new creative life is for the new inductees in the firm. Addition, those who have been long-term veterans of the organization are stuck, and the paralysis immobilizes relevance. Gradually, you'll notice people who were once excited move on, or worse, they remain on the team with nothing in view but pensions or personal gain. 
They will channel their creativity into personal ventures or mislabel line items on your budget sheet as costs that are actually a deep waste so you get little to no return on your investment. Okay, now I'm going to leave Erica alone right there. These dynamics create an apathy throughout the entire organization, a slow paralysis of which few will even speak openly. This paralysis may not start out flaunting itself on a ledger sheet. That is to say there's more to run an organization than numbers. It may not initially show itself in depth of dollars, rather it shows in the slow, agonizing depth of new ideas. It begins like a silent cancer waiting to metastasize throughout the corporate body. When new and creative ideas stop coming in, energy dissipates and morale declines. When team members do not experience instinctive leadership, they retreat to safe models that ensure job creativity, even as their retreat ironically threatens the health of the entire organization. There's no immunity to fight the growing disease. Eventually, lower profits will reflect that the infection has spread to the balance sheet, and the economics will be a symptom and not a source of the deeper problem. Without an infusion of instinct and the elevation of its importance in the company or team, eventually productivity dries up and the stream of innovation trickles to a stop. Instinct is that important enough. Instinct is that important to how you lead. When instincts are ignored, leaders become followers, and followers become unemployed. I'm gonna stop it there. Okay. Questions, comments, criticism, concerns. Now, what time is it? Nine fourteen. Okay. Questions, comments, criticism going once. Alright, it was up here. I don't know. Questions, comments, criticism going twice. Going three times. Alright, who wants prayer? <laughs> Amazing. All right, who wants to go on once? Who wants to go on twice? Who wants to break on three times? Okay. I'll send you the text and we'll get off the phone. After I do my juice.
Good morning. Yo, Mark, man. This Mark. Yeah. Hey, what's up, Mark? Thought you was Nate for a minute. I had to stop. No, I ain't that one. <laughs> How are you, young man? I am well, sir. I am well. I'm glad y'all should be. 
Y'all should be glad there's a mute button, is all I can say. <laughs> I'm always having my own worship service over here with Marvelous. Yeah, well, I guess that's a good thing then, young man. Yeah, you know, I thought about something yesterday that I neglected to say when we were talking about um, the... Um, Um, the call yesterday with Lisa. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I forgot to mention the um the fact that it is a difference from the form of agreement from the standpoint of the actual rabbinical rabbinical marriage than just a regular two people getting married and. That was what I was trying to say to come back to the actual the actual conversation of marriage. And we are taught the different ways of understanding what marriage truly meant then so we could articulate it now and make it in present tense time. I think we would understand it from a different purview. And what I mean by that is in the Jewish faith, there is, three parts to the one wedding. There is the ketubah, which is the signing of the contract of the agreement where these are the rules and the laws that we govern our relationship by. And no matter, as long as these rules don't get broken, we have to decide to work things out and fix things in the process of where we are with our relationship. Now, outside of these things, we will have a problem. Now, with that being said, that's your first sign of your marriage being of God because the the laws or the rules are set between you, your spouse, and in reverence to God. The next one is you actually have a, a, a wedding ceremony with the actual rabbi. And then thirdly, you basically do it before the people. And when you lift up the veil, you say, um, all blessings to Yahweh Yeshua, it's not um, Leah, it meaning that when um, he worked so many years, he thought he was going to get one sister and got the other sister. So basically the lifting of the veil basically is saying that, oh, thank God it's the one that I desired to marry versus it be, I'd be fooled to believe that it was her ugly sister and not her. <laughs> but we don't, we don't, have those understandings because that's not what we practice in our rituals for our marriage. But I think that coming down to the to the wire of, of loving and learning and understanding a person, I do believe that we could um, learn something from that from the standpoint of us basically having an agreement about what our relationship is and will be versus the first time that we have a problem, we want to break up. That's it. All righty then. I will say okay. Well, that was a part of the that was a part of the the talk that we had yesterday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm waiting on Nate. I don't know. He's supposed to be coming on. You want me to pray for you until he comes on? Are you on, Nate? I'm on. Yeah, okay. How are you doing this morning, sir? Good. 
Positively. Well, we got a signed contract, so you know. Oh, okay. Well, that, that, that's always good. <laughs> <laughs> and now we move forward. I mean, everybody's excited. It's, it's, the reality is here. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay, so then everything is definitely on go. Everything in writing is on go then. Oh, yes, sir. Well, I'm going to make a call after this call to your buddy, and uh, scheduled for Friday to be there and do our walkthroughs, and uh, we're going to work. Okay. Cool. Cool. Did you all go up there yesterday? Pardon? Did you go up there yesterday? Uh, no, no, no. We, oh, okay. Uh, had a business meeting with the people there here himself, and then I thought I would give him a call, and now we'll We'll schedule when we can come in, look at the equipment that we got to provide power for, mm-hmm. and uh, take it from there. And like we said, this is just was a great open door, bring us under the radar and open the door to all other universities and colleges. So. Mm-hmm. All right, praise God. Well, I guess it's hitting the ground running. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool beans, cool beans. All right. Well, Mark, you want to start or you want me to start? And Mark went back and hiding again. Oh, my dear chap, you it's all yours. <laughs> oh, isn't that special? Hey, X. <laughs> mm-hmm. All righty, then. Okay. Por Yes, Father God, continue to keep this man of God centered. I see that being very, very important that you stay centered because in staying centered, you won't be pulled one way or the other too much. Well, no, that is keep you where you're at because you are being pulled in so many different directions. Keep him centered, Lord. As long as you're centered, you can draw from God. You can hear. You can see. It's going to be a challenge for you to stay centered because of everything that is pulling on you. But your key job is to stay centered. And that will help you to govern and to guide, to listen, to see, and to hear. Because, see, remember, you have a twofold purpose. One is to hear from on high. That means you have to stay in connection with God. You have to see what he's telling you, what he's showing you, because he's giving you big chunks. He's giving you all these things. And it, and, and it's a requirement, and it takes effort and energy to make sure that you are seeing, 
here and and, and and trying to get everything he has for you. But then the other aspect is then you must you must take this information and divest, di- divulge it to those that are around you so that you can get them to move in particular directions so that you can govern these things. So you got, that's why you need to stay centered so that you can hear from on high, but then use what you hear from on high to govern what's in front of you. Now, somebody got a lot of noise in the background. Somebody got a lot of movement going on. So stay centered is key that it keep you positioned and allow you to move, allow you to hear and allow you to move. Now, Father God, I'm going to pray for his board and his team members. Because, again, this is the first of many. You see that clearly. You see that clearly. So now you must do this in excellence. This job must be done in excellence. It must be done in excellence. Because remember, this is setting the the forefront. This is the first. It must be done in excellence so that you're setting a standard. You're setting a standard not just for what you're doing, but also for all those around you. So that they understand you they're just not doing things and have no 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 no. It must be done in excellence because again, you're setting a standard for your company and you're also setting a standard for what you expect from them and what God expects from you. So this must be done in excellence. Even if it costs you more, more time, more effort, whatever. Because again, this is this is the beginning, this is the genesis, this isn't the number one. And now you really need to take detailed notes. Um, someone to be able to take detailed notes of all that's involved, from from time, materials, cost. You need somebody to take detailed notes, so you can begin to discern and, and use that as a tool to see what it actually takes. Because see, it's a whole other story from having something in your head than from what actually happens. Again, we talk about the experience compared to what just reading knowledge. So now that you're actually doing this, take detailed notes to see what it costs, see what it does, see all of these things so that you can begin to use that as a standard of what really is involved. So now you will know what it costs you, what's all involved, what's your good thing, what's your bad thing. And, again, because this is Genesis, you need to monitor this and see what, what changes you need to make from here on out. Continue to, to be flexible. Be flexible so that, again, this is a growth thing. This is a learning curve. So flexibility is most important. And, again, remember, you are setting standards for your teammates, for those who aren't, aren't as, a, as they don't understand. You are setting a standard. So that this, we were just talking about it and reading in TD as far as the formula and as far as instincts. So since some of these have to be grown, you are, you are the role model. You are the standard. So you must walk in that. You must teach them, and you must get them to excel so they can rise to their full capacity because it will be needed in the future. So, again, that's another reason why you must be centered so you can see what's needed both internally and externally. You can hear from on high, but you can also look in front of you and see. That's, again, why it's so important that you stay centered. 
Hmm. So now, Father God, you're opening this door. You're opening this door, Lord. You're moving him down the path that you have provided and are providing for him to walk. Continue, Father, to open the other doors. Ah, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mentioned before, maybe, you know, maybe videotaping this or whatever. You know, you work all that stuff out. You know, but again, you're setting, you're building, you're building. So I always think in terms of building. You know, I always think in terms right now, I'm building, I'm setting a role, I'm, I'm making my, my portfolio. So, you know, you kind of figure out how you want to do that and, and, and build upon what you need to incorporate and don't need to incorporate. So continuously thinking that in that capacity of I'm building. Yes, this is the first one. Yes, everybody's excited. But now you start thinking in terms of the next one. See, now that's what's going to be necessary for you to do, Nate, is you think in terms of the next one as well as in working on this one. Now, you you understand what I'm talking about. There will be those, like your big three, they can also probably be thinking in terms of the next one. But the ones under them, they need to be focusing in terms of what's in front of them. You can't get too caught up in the next one when the first one has not been fulfilled to the capacity that needs to be done. So, just staying centered, staying connected, taking notes, writing things down. You personally think in terms of the next one, and you're going to be doing that by faith because you're going to have an expectation of God opening up more doors. You have an expectation that God's providing with. So you and the big three, that's what you all focus on. But pretty much everybody else, they focus on what's right here and what's right now so they can understand how what it takes to actuality rise up to perform and to walk in essence and not do this half-baked. <laughs> Father God, I'm going to continue to pray for the investors. As you're providing a path for him to walk around, because again, you're using this money that's beginning to be poured into you. Poured into your coffer, but it's being used to set your company up for the world takeover that God is establishing you for. For the world world situation that God is establishing for. So Holy Spirit continue to move in this man of God's heart and provide for him all things that are needed so he can continue to do what you called him to do yet and not to back down, not to be scared, but to trust in uniformness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, it's 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 interesting that Sam was saying to be humble and and chart down everything that um is going on because I got the same thing. To expound on what Sam was saying about writing everything down, get a tape recorder, get a portable tape recorder that's digital. That when you are in the moment and you're walking through places and you see something and you um and you basically desire something, basically speak it so you can basically um mark that as a victory one in a sense, so you're reminded of this is what you said, 
this is when you expected it, and then this is when it was come to fruition. So you basically will have a, a journal of, like Sam was saying, a journal of things happening and how they were happening and the time frame and seeing how God moves because it's essential for people that are going to be outside looking in to see how you weren't a part of the 1%, but you claimed the mountain. Um, the humility comes into the place where you have already been abased, now you can abound. And that mountain of business that you were going to, out of the seven mountains, that you're going to infect and capitalize on is essential because of the fact that you're going to come to the table and say, this was God-made, not man-made. And typically, the one percenters going to the table with them, they, they don't necessarily have the experience of God-made versus man-made because it was something that was handed to them versus something that they were endowed with. You have something that you are endowed with, so therefore going to the table and speaking of it as, um, as a person in perspective of being totally different from them, it's going to be an apostolic move for you to basically go from one side of the table to be on the chessboard as a pawn to go to the other side to be the king. The reason as to why you've had to strategize and go through the different turns and crooks to get there is to see how you were going to be sustained once you arrived. Because you have stood the test and have been diligent and, and faithful, that's where the mountain comes in that, that you basically are soaring to the top of the mountain versus you having to walk that long climb. So it's essential that you do have an assistant that is going to be an armor bearer for you, even in this walk, that is going to look ahead, that's going to be close, that's going to see and, and, and project things from afar but still speaking to you and you, you basically having that rapport and that relationship with them. And, and, and I'm telling you, the person has to be able to see in a different realm. They have to be able to see in a different aspect of the heavenlies because things are going to be coming so fast where they have to protect you, they have to speak to you, and they have to know your ins and outs and your heart, and you have to trust them with that. So with that being said, that's someone that's going to basically see the projects through. And I'm not saying put them over anybody, but what I am saying is make them a liaison between you and other people to make sure that they are respected to say that this is what Professor X is needing right now. So therefore, I need to give a time frame so I can get back to him so we can make sure that these things are expedited correctly. Because of the fact of it, the speed and the acceleration and, and I hear, the, hear God saying momentum. Momentum is something that basically can slow down or speed up, but it cannot stop. So that's what God is saying, that you are needing to basically be at the pace 
of where the momentum is because we can't allow you to be consumed by the avalanche of the momentum. And it's more to come because people have just been watching to see who wanted to attach and partner versus be the first ones because they just didn't want to be the first ones out there. But the ones that you have right here always allow them to lead the race and everyone else formulate themselves behind them because you always want to continue and, and cultivate the first relationship that you had because that was the beginning of the birth of the infancy, as Sam was saying in Genesis. But my encouragement to you is to make sure that you go back to Habakkuk 2 and 2, write your vision, and make it plain so when the new people come, they can see it and they run. And, and, it, and it's imperative that they hear the Father's voice from the spiritual realm as well as the earthly realm. And you are the apostolic father for the movement. So the voice that you speak is yours as well as from heaven, and it has to be how you articulate it to be, not how somebody goes behind you to tell you or tell somebody else how to fix it. It has to be how you desire it to be, not a jot or tittle changed at all. Eyes dotted and all T's crossed, and there's no change. And before anything goes out, I hear God saying, before anything goes out as what you have said, proofread it to make it seem, make, it, make sure that it is what Professor X said versus anything added or changed to it. Because once you said it and somebody writes it and, and, and puts it in their, their lingo, it changes. So it's important that it be exactly what you desire and what you say and how God is desiring it for you to do. Amen. All right, Nate, hold on. Already. Okay. Uh, when he mentioned momentum, it triggered something in me. Momentum, 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 momentum. Okay, momentum. Hmm. Wow, interesting. And what's interesting is the fact that you are going to be the key for establishing and maintaining momentum. You're kind of like the pace car. You know, the pace car goes in front of everybody else to set the pace, and then he gets out of the race. So now, hmm. Hmm. Okay, so you, okay, then it goes back again to you being centered because what I see is as you're getting this thing going, like you said, everybody's excited. You know, everybody's real excited until real life happens. <laughs> you hit that bump in the road when this didn't happen right or that didn't happen right or he say, she say, and all. Okay, so that's going to be key for you to keep things moving. So right now, things are opening up, things are moving. As, as, as Mark said, you know, it's going to continue to open up in the veil. 
Now, well, you know the nature of people. But when they start becoming people, you manage that. Because as things shift and things really get into flow, there will be certain departments or certain areas where the momentum will be different. So some of it is going to kind of slow down, and it's okay. You keep them at that pace. But other areas, you need to keep. See, it's going to be some areas you keep them at a slow pace or where they're at. There are going to be some areas at a fast pace, and there are going to be some areas where, and I guess like the big three, you all must be constantly pressing on constantly going into new territory, constantly, you know, doing what's necessary to, to open up different things, et cetera. Even though, you know, because, you know, whenever you go in the jungle, you're a trailblazer, that's the part, that's the part, part. You know, you're coming into unforeseen new areas with a machete. you got to cut through and, and, and it's another to make a path. So literally, you all will be making paths for everybody else that's on your team. But that momentum, that pace is a necessity. You must always be conscious because, again, there are going to be those who, when real life doesn't meet up to their highest expectations, they're going to expose themselves and they're going to, ah, and you must keep that control. So, again, going back to being centered, again, that's why it's most important that you hear and you govern yourself accordingly so you can keep them moving at the proper pace at the proper time. And remember, it's always about excellence. It's always about excellence. You you walk in it, and you you train them so that they can walk in it. Yeah, yeah. You train them so that they can walk in it. And that's what's going to be the difference maker integrity, character, all those things that you're going to have to train them. Now, I'm talking like beyond your big three, you know, and you kind of, I got a general idea. It's going, to, it's going to rear his head. It has no choice. So you train them to walk in excellence. You train them to go beyond themselves because it's mandatory, especially this stage in the game, because this is, again, this is like the, you're, you're all at the, out of the baby stage, you're at the toddler stage where you're now beginning to expose yourself to the world. So it's an infant, it's a toddler, you know, as you're, as you're going to begin to get exposure to the world. So excellence is so key, it's so vital. You know, and so I, I'm thinking of Lisa with her school. She was, with her students, she was saying, you know, you are a representative of me. You can't just do any kind of thing. And that's going to be the same thing with your company. So, again, you must grow. A perfect example, going back to us, the athletes and the pioneers back in the days. When I'm saying us, I'm talking about men and women of color back in the 60s when we were first coming out, how we had to work harder, how we had to do things even more so. Whoever's in the car could be muted, please. We had to do things so much more harder than everybody else because we were we were we were looked at so much harder. That's what's going to happen to you. That's what's going to happen to you. So that's why it's so vital that you train them and groom them to walk in excellence. Because see, once once you get that world exposure, the microscopes are going to come out from everywhere and everybody. And I'm going to tell you specifically why. Because the devil is pissed that you've gotten to this point. He has done everything that he can to stop you. But it had not been for the grace and the mercy of God. 
Is that not there for, for you walking and standing on his word and seeking and trusting and letting God be God? You would have stopped. It would have died in the crib. But God. So now that it is beginning to get that one thing that it needed is lifeblood, which is the finances in order for it to grow. He is so pissed. He does not. He he he's pissed, and that's the that's the mildest way that I can say that. So he is going to do everything. So he couldn't stop me this way. He's going to come at you other ways again, especially since you're going to begin. You're going to begin to come a world exposure now. So excellence is so vitally key. Walk in it. Train your those behind you about integrity. That's Walk in it. Walk in it. It's a necessity. <laughs> That's it right there, Sam. That I mean, when you were kept on saying excellence, I I kept on hearing integrity because of the fact that you have to trust them when you're not looking. Mm. My patient right now has, they have some resources. And before I was just, because everything within the first few weeks was availed to me, what I did was charted everything that I was doing to report back so she knew, and if the family asks questions, what I'm just doing there and why I have access to things and what knowledge do I have of them. Because people, when I first got here, basically made the statement, you're just giving yourself everything to this person and you don't know if he's going to rob you blind or not. Because of the fact that I am speaking on behalf of them, I write the things down so I can report back so nobody can say, this is what Mark said. If I ask for an email, my statement is, make sure that you copy Mrs. such-and-such on there so she gets the same thing I get so I'm not privy to anything that she's not aware of because I'm going to have to have a name that precedes myself after this. So, therefore, she understands and knows that my integrity and my character will uphold itself while she's there or when she's not there. And I'm going to stand for that which is righteous, not for what I think is right. Because righteousness and right are two different things. And my encouragement to you is in the same instance that they have to basically understand the difference between right and righteousness and stand firm to that and uphold the integrity of not just themselves, but the movement, the man, and the ministry. I'm trying to, uh, I just texted Erica. I don't know if Mark remembers um, Maria's statement. She used to say about us and what is not a goal, it's a stand. Something she said all the time, and it always caught me when she said it. But um, once I, hopefully Erica more likely will remember it. Uh, I'm going, if I, if you know, you're not, she doesn't do it before we get off the line, I'm going to text it to you, Nate, because I think that might be something 
you might want to make a banner of them, put it on your wall or something like that, put at the office so so people can see it and just every time they see it, it'll, it'll put it in their mind because that's going to be so key, especially right now. Okay. Uh, you got anything else, Mark? No, uh, I'm good. I'm done. Okie dokie doke. All righty. I'll see y'all later. Bye, right, brother. Peace. Okay. Bye. Mm, All right, well, basically, um, you got anything? Here. Mark, you got anything? I'm sorry, I thought you were talking to Erica. I just assumed she was on. No, I'm good. Okay. Because if not, I'm going to say a while we can get up song. Okay. Are you doing? Are you doing? Are you doing prayer request? Oh, uh, now she want to come, and I'm getting ready to hang up. She want to come back like she. Can... Mm-hmm. Timing, timing is a funny thing, hasn't it? Mhm. Yada yada yada. You want prayer, my dear? Uh, yeah. Oh, you know. Strength is what I hear. Strength. 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 Boko did a combuscan decay or a boko Strength. Strength. The Rombokran did strength, Father God. Pour your strength upon her. <clears throat> Pour your strength upon her. Strength to press on, strength to persevere, strength to hear, strength to move, Lord. Mm. Strength to stand, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for the word of God. And the anointing, continue to speak life, Father. Did it health and strength and restoration,
The heaviness and the brokenness. Hmm. 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 Interesting. Hmm. The heaviness and the brokenness. Stephen Furtick was talking earlier today about those people who display uncommonly strong and also those people who have been unusually hurt, broken. So don't let the heaviness or the brokenness that you're experiencing keeping you from growing. There's purpose to it. There's purpose to it. In my distress, ye enlarged me. Ooh, Father God. And we broke down that distress is an even greater form of distress. So in my brokenness, in my hurt, in my pain, my God enlarged me. So, Holy Spirit, don't let the hurt, the pain, the brokenness stop her from increasing in you and in your word. Reveal to her what is needed so she can push through it to rise up to become the woman of God you called her to be, Lord. Help her to see and understand how you have touched and are transforming her life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yep, 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 yep. I appreciate it if you were to pray for me, sir, before you skedaddle. Oh, uh, you know I'm you know there was the next words out of my mouth, but okay. See now how come she don't get a whole bunch of feedback? What? I said how come she don't get so set for waiting to the last minute? <sighs> <laughs> And let me pray for your crew, your children, first of all. Yeraco Scaradacomba Punch, Jelajanakanija, and Charles, the Goran by Ebony, the Daria, the Goran, the Girl Trap, and the Suicide Yeraco Combo Grandes Gosaka, Poker Shedrico Fisher, and everybody else, or Yeraco Buscaradacanaca. Okay, so I'm hearing a lot, and it's interesting that, you know, all these people that I placed on you, I mean, that have been placed on your list. But when I was praying for children, 
some of which are yours and some are not, but it's like God shows me how you are being a mother to those that you have not birthed. And it's out of necessity that you touch, even in your counseling, even in that what you're getting ready to do with those in your church. What is a mother? Someone who can nurture, help, grow. That's what a mother is. A mother's day is coming up. So just continue to do that what you've been doing, whether it's with your own or without. Those that you can actually have hands on or those that you just pray for, you just continue to move in that capacity that God has called you to move, even with your niece who gets on your nerves. But where would she be if you weren't in her life? No, you didn't want to hear that. So, Father God, I'm going to pray her strength. And let her move in that motherly wisdom. As you continue to impart to her those things that are needed. So she can form the fullness of who you call her to be. In Jesus' name, I pray, man. And let me pray for your adult peoples. And your job and your business and your church. I need to break that down. Okay. Let me start out with the, well, so I'll say start out with the simple one, which is a simple one, Lord. I mean, pray for your job. Bokrande kose dere de kumbos krande dere ko boko boko kose ke. Okay, so. Yeah, as as we're doing these readings, you see things that are actually going on in front of your face that's written down in this book, both good, bad, and indifferent. Hmm. So now, you need to make note both mental and physical so that when you start yours, you don't have this dysfunction that you see existing where you're at. You know, just as I was joking, 
talk about your case study. Your job also needs to be your case study. So as you begin to formulate EPOD, you don't have this dysfunction that's presently residing within you working in that same capacity as far as what you're designing. Ooh. Ooh. She's going to probably hit me when I say that one, but anyway, she's going to hit me. What the? I don't care. I'm being jumped on from everything and everybody anyway, so what difference does it make? So, understand that, walk in that, and just let God direct you and ordain and order your steps. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That's your job. Now we're going to pray about church. So, God allowed that woman to come to you. God allowed that you had to get up and move. And allow your giftings to come forth. And I'm laughing is because you can't get away from it. I'm thinking about what you said about your father. I can't do nothing but laugh. You you know what what Ali said. You can run, but you can't hide. Whoever said that, you can't. Your church has need of you. God has commissioned you. Oh, shut Now, you can go through whatever earthly, traditional, formal things that come before you to be done as far as, you know, them ordaining you, this and another. Okay. But I can tell you this much. God has anointed you. So now all that other stuff that's going to be in front of your plate, you know, you deal with it as it comes, but it doesn't matter. The power and the approval from on high has already been given to you. Now what you going to do with it? Yeah. So, Father God, as as you are beginning to call her from the back to the front, for her giftings to be exposed for your covenant and your kingdom. Mm-hmm. Continue to open her up so she can walk in the fullness where you called her to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And last but not least, is your business. Like, really? But it's funny because even as I was praying about the other two, it's still all point to your business because you're the one who is structuring it. So you're the one that you are being, that's it. It's an extension of you. So now literally you're going you're gonna to put a written order down in a written direction as far as you and what God wants you to do. That's basically what's going on. So Holy Spirit, guide her in this capacity. Increase her so she can see and move in accordance with that which you want her to do. Let her business. 
And it's like, it's some other things, but it's like, you know what? Mm, don't matter. Get up, move, and do. That's basically what it comes down to. Get up, move, and do. Um, would you pray for okay. that young lady as well? You're talking about the lady in the church? Yeah, her name is Ashley. Her last name is begins with a W. That's all. I mean... Okay, look, I pray for Ashley W. Brandy go say she'll 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 go say Help her to see and to move. Rasta and Jesus in my prayer. Now, along with what Sam was saying, um, what I saw was, can you hear me? Rasta, here you go. Have to add your two cents is what I said, but keep going. You know what? (laughs) You deal with your daddy about my two cents. How about that? Which okay, go ahead. Um, what he what he was showing me was that um, uh, most people assume that the oil is with the boys because of them being boys. <laughs> My challenge is not the fact of if your brothers have the oil. That's not what I'm saying. My challenge is the fact that I'm reminded of um, Bernice right now when I'm talking to you because everybody thought the boys had everybody thought that the boys had the father's oil, but it wasn't the father. It was it wasn't the um. I'm, I'm just spontaneous. I went to the store. Were you being I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see them. Well, no. The, just the ones that were left over. I got it. Okay. Okay. Um, but, but that's what I that's what I see when it comes to the fact that you... No, I don't fuck you yeah. It's it's the fact that the sons had the name, but his daughter had the oil, and that's my encouragement to you: that the business, the um, the ministry, all of those things have everything to do with you possessing the oil from the mantle of the father, not basically you're the girl and. You have other things to do, and no, you have the oil. So, because of you having the oil, you have to basically have that in which what's going to, to contain the oil, and that's what you're doing right now. You're walking through the process of having 
to allow your oil to be authenticated. That's what your fathers to see, the world to see, your ministry to see, for you to believe. That's where you are right now. That's why it seems like everything is coming full circle with the ministry and the men, the work, the business, all these things all at one time. So you're in, my encouragement to you is that you have to know that the mantle is there as well as the charge and the anointing. And you walk into that and be confident and strong in it. In his name we pray. Amen. I'll pray for your brother, Carlos. I'm going to pray for Kenny first. How about that? Yes, Father God, continue to move in his life and his heart. Continue to move in his situation and his circumstance. Continue to open him up. So he can see in accordance with what you have for him to do. In Jesus' name I pray, man. That's kidding. Now I pray for Carlos. Yet it goes, get it, go, 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 Your father, Rombo Kuskeler Kandeske, the Kumbuskara, did the Kubokran, did the Kosataka, handed the Gosation, the Gosation, the Gosation, the Gosation, the Gosandra Kandeske, the Kasata. Father, she did the Gosation, the Gosation, yes, 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 father, Yellow Kumbokran Daka, Horam Badigastan, the Gosandaka, Randiki, the Kumboku, Boko, yes, 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 Harandiki, Shoku, Parambose. Thank you, Holy Spirit, both God, in Jesus' name I pray, man. And last but not least, Tony the Tiger. Both and the Father God, what is it you want me to say? Ooh. 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 Okay, then. You know, um, back when I first started, you know, emailing and stuff like that, uh, text and they say that you know when 
you capitalize something that means it's like you're yelling at somebody. And I didn't know that. So I'm going to spell this four-letter word. And it's all capital letters. I just want to make sure you receive it. First letter is M. The next letter is U. The next letter is S. And the last letter is T. M-U-S-T. What are you looking for? Looking for something. Next to the cabinet on the stove. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a couple of them you can use. Yeah, you can use that one. All right. So, M-U-S-T. So, I want you to hear that in all capital letters for what I'm about to tell you you got to do. You must walk in love, agape. You must walk in patience. You must walk in peace. Ah. Oh, Lord, 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 Lord. Stop in Birmingham first or Tuscaloosa first before you come up this way because I know you already just... I, mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you'll be defeated, you'll be thwarted, and you will be truly broken. Because it's like the very things that you're striving for, that you desire, if you don't walk in those capacities, it's just like, you know, self-mutilization or self self um. You know, it's suicide. Peace, patience, and love are requirements for you to walk in that capacity toward Tony. So basically that means you need to walk in Aresia and not Erica. So now, how do you deal with that? You deal with that when it's going to force you to go outside of yourself when it's going to force you to do things you don't want to do, to see things you don't want to see, just to put you in a position that you're going to be highly uncomfortable. You must go to the Father on specific situations and circumstances and ask him to direct you how to deal with it. Otherwise, God, you're telling me to walk in peace, but, Lord, this is how I'm feeling. So now... How can we? How can I get from where I'm at to where I need to be? Because I ain't peaceful. I don't like this, and I really don't want this. <clears throat> but you're putting a mandate on my life. That's the capacity that I need to do. So, Lord, I'm coming to you, so you can tell me more than tell me, Lord. You can help me to get there. Because, Lord, I ain't even saying I really want to go. That's a conversation you have to have with your father. He's going to tell you to do some things with you like, I ain't doing that. And you might be a but you know what? 
<laughs> and then you're going to go in your corner, and you're just going to look at the wall like this. Because that's really how you feel. And then you're going to call the cut me out because I'm the one to say it because you ain't going to go cut them out. So, so you know, I'm just kind of telling I'm giving you the rest. Since we were talking about formulas and recipes, that's what you're going to have to do because in and of what God's calling you and telling you to do, you don't have it in and of yourself. So you have to seek him to get it in what you need so you can walk in it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Still here, Erica? Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> okay. You want me to go ahead and finish praying for you now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, 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 Lord, I hear it. I hear it. Mm-hmm. 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 Because as soon as you hang up this phone, and I got a good opportunity, because you want to make sure you got no, nobody around, so you can hear. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Okay. All right, Father God, let me pray for Aresia and Erica, because they both need prayer about right now. I Holy Spirit, you're a bookrandi to go session to go rumbrandi to go session to come bookrandi to go sandish kara to come bookrandi kara to come bookasaka. Father God, harambuski to go sandaka, bookrandi to go sedite, harambrandi to go sedite. Interesting. From the, mm, kind of like when I was praying for Nate. In order for you to do that, that's going to come in spirit, soul, and body is forcing you to go into your spirit. It's forcing you to rely and seek your spirit for strength and guidance. It's putting a demand on your spirit, man. Because you know in and of yourself that ain't going to happen. This is like, okay, I really got, I, I, I mean, I got to really seek the Lord. I got to really speak into, I got to really do these things that are going to edify and build my spirit up to keep me from being me. And God goes, mm, yeah, pretty much. That's how I ordained it. That's how I designed it. And that's how you're going to have to walk in it. And you name my prayer, amen. Amen. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, next. Good morning, Sam. How you doing? I'm good, Nene. How you feeling? Yeah, doing okay. Got somewhat of a good report. Okay. Uh, from my back X-rays, they told me they see a couple of spots where I got sublation at. Mm. So, um, for the last few years, I was having problem with my hearing in my right ear. Mhm. And my sinuses 
that's what that was coming from. Ah. Okay. So they told me that it's treatable, so I just got to get with the program they're going to put me on to do my exercises and stuff like that to try to um, work it out. And once I do these exercises, they're just going to have to be your way of life. So keep that bone from um, losing the cushion in between and it wind up fusing together. So when you start your program, so when you start your program? Uh, I start my program on tomorrow morning. How many treatments you got to go through? I got to go through 12 for right now. I got to do... Twelve visits with him. Well, so like this, it's basically twenty-four, really, because I got to go twice a week for um twelve weeks, and then I have to do like a half um, a half hour of exercises while I'm at home every day. Okay. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna have fun. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Uh, happy, happy, joy, joy. Yeah, as long as we just leave my sinuses alone and unclog my ears, it's going to be a whole lot happy. <laughs> all right, now. That's what I'm talking about. Looking to the end result. That's what it's all about. Uh-huh. That's what I'm trying to achieve. Yep. I have to enjoy my balcony seat so I can see the positive and not be so close up on the situation where all you think I see is the negative. All right. All right, there was you ready for your prayers? Yes, I was there. Mm-hmm. Father God, help her to walk in you. Help her to grow up in you. Allow your anointing to increase. Remove from her those things that will keep her bound, but let her rise up into the fullness of what and who you call her to be. Let your hand move her in the capacity that you want her to walk, Father God, so she can truly become the woman of God you're calling her to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You came and sat down. Uh, Go, 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 go
All righty, who wants prayer going once? Who wants prayer going twice? That's the doctor's office. I call them that they get off the phone. Ronda Gosation to go station 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 to go Saraga. Ronda Gosation to go station to go Saraga. Our father got here because I'm praying for Chrissy right now. Brandy to go station to the Gombos Grandaka. Brandy to go station to the Gos Grande de Gasada. Help her to see you, Father. Help her to move in the fullness of who you called her to be. Yet it goes to Let your word rise up, Father. So she can walk and become the fullness. Yet it goes the fullness, the fullness of the woman of God that you want her to be. Should in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right. Who else wants prayer? Did you get your knees? Sure. Okay, thanks. Rambo Kuskara Kandran negotiation negotiation Randishkara negotiation Derogos and Randagos and Daka. Thank you, Father God, for Shanish. Randa negotiation 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 Kandaka. Rambo Kuskara yes, 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 Father. Randa negotiation 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 Daka. Call Father God, strengthen her, gird her up, and keep her, Lord. Randa negotiation. Strengthen her, gird up, and keep her, Father. Randa negotiation. Strengthen her, gird up, and keep her, Father. Randa negotiation. That is the word of God is revealed to her, Lord. Yet a kuboska, and a boske did it a kanda, and she did a kusaka. In Jesus' name I pray, man. Amen. Amen. All right. Go on once. Go on twice. Go on three times. Wait up. Some birds for me. Get out of here. Somebody pray for me. Go on once. My prayer for me okay. going what? Shown much victory over Sam for keeping him obedient, steadfast, sure-footed, and ever-loving to your word, to your presence, to you. Thank you for shining yourself through him. Thank him for letting you shine through him, for him releasing his free will for you to come in and sup with him in order to bring us all together. Lord, we want to thank you for your obedient servant, for diligently getting up every morning, for feeling those muscle pains, and 
also exercises his spiritual muscles to bring forth your words and also to break down the understanding of it. Lord, we pray for Sam today to be able to go out, feel, touch, and agree with, with people that are from you and to help to supplement in the way of adding to his life in order for you to grow more in him. We pray that he has much courage, which we already know that with him being obedient to you, it is already done. And for him to see the sunshine, for him to see the light at the end of the tunnel, for him to just see you and all the miracles and how your hand is working to guide him, teach him, grow him up in order for him to understand and to touch and agree that he made the right choice of following you. In the name of the Son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All righty. Uh, I'll let you all later. Have a good one.